0: Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're talking about what it takes to pursue a dream in which you have to battle your own ego or hopelessness, and why practice for self and others is such a key element in Buddhism. Our guest is New York-based model Masamichi Nunoya, who shares the story of how his parents helped him start his Buddhist practice at a crucial crossroads in his life, and how he has turned to that practice again and again in his journey to build the career of his dreams. Here's Masa.
1: My name is Masamichi Nunoya. I live in New York City. I am originally from Japan, but I've been you know, in the United States for over 20 years. Being 28 now, I moved here when I was very young at four years old, and currently I work as a fashion model very luckily, you know, in New York.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I know we're going to talk a bit about your sort of career trajectory on, you know, a little bit later on this episode. So I'm super excited to do that. But why don't we just start also with like your your journey in Buddhism? So again, we know mm. kind of who we're talking to, and it's always fun to hear how people discovered or encountered Buddhism and when they did, like why they started chanting. Mm. So yeah, if you could just tell me the brief story, wh- where where and when did you learn about Buddhism? And then when you decided to start chanting consistently sort of what was going on at the time or like why were you interested?
1: Absolutely so I actually was born into the practice and you know I was it's so funny so I've, over the course of you know my, my journey like in the beginning you know I was like the the star child that was like learning to chant with my parents at such a young age that I I don't think I could even really talk but my parents were just always like, oh my gosh, like this, you know, <laughs> our firstborn son is going to be amazing one <laughs> day, you know, <they laughs> always, you know, it gave me a lot of love and affection, right, for that. But, you know, it was like our move to Iowa, actually. So I was born in Japan, moved to Hawaii, when I was very young, I lived there from when I was four to seven, there's an amazing, you know, Buddhist community there and Japanese community. So I it it felt like, honestly, like, it wasn't much removed from Japan, like, at that time. And then after Hawaii, I moved to Iowa. Oh. When I was nine years old, I started really questioning, you know, my own practice because my parents were, you know, were chanting and my friends would come over and they would just, like, question, just, like, straight up, just like, yo, like, what is that, like, they doing and, and you know for that and I still remember feeling so embarrassed I'm just like like I don't know like I actually yeah, I have no idea what they're doing you know, you know? It was something. It always, cool. yeah yeah exactly exactly and then you know I think it was like my freshman year of high school so like you know when, when that kind of stuff started happening very slowly I started drifting away you know from my booze practice and I think my parents kind of knew this was coming, you know, being in Iowa, somewhere very rural and very Judeo-Christian dominated, you know. And uh, yeah, like uh, my freshman year, I, I really started just like just having just, just started having a bad, like just delinquent <laughs> life on it. Or like, how do you say it? Like, you know, there's that phase where you just like really act out, you know, as a high schooler. And mm-hmm. I just was, you know, going out with, you know, with a bad crowd, even though like we we're freshmen. But like, you know, it's Iowa City. It's a college town not a lot to do you get exposed to sort of that like college like party culture at a very young age if you like you cannot run into the wrong crowd and like i remember like i was already like trying to like drink and smoke weed by like the start of my freshman year and and i remember like the whole high school finding out about like me and my friends doing it and like almost kind of casting out that they're like the bad boys but kind of cool but like no one should talk to them too you know (laughs) but like that actually kind of like you know snowballed into something worse as you know as my high school years went on it was like my after you know my sophomore year we moved to new mexico that was pretty tough because i you know i was leaving all my friends behind my parents thought it was a great move because i was you know moving away from this crowd but of course you know buddhist perspective it's like you know your life you attract you know what you are and and of Mm -hmm. course i i immediately found another bad crowd in like new mexico probably worse honestly because that Ultimately, you know, actually it led me into, you know, like dealing drugs, especially like you know, like large com- quantities of marijuana. And like and my parents, like at that time, were just like, "Yo, like something's up with him. <laughs> like he's not talking to us. He's getting all this money. Like and like we, you know, we're very, very worried. And like and it actually resulted, like, you know, in me and my parents like having very verbal and sometimes like almost near violent, you know, arguments with each other. But I think for them being Buddhists, they, they somehow understood that it's like, actually like not pressing, you know, so much on me was actually like probably the best bet rather than like send me off to like rehab or something, you know, which they easily could have done honestly, but they're like, but you know what, like this won't change until like, I, th- you know, until he learns. So, you know, they kind of let me do my own thing. And... I I just remember too, like you know, when when all of this was happening, when when things got really bad, when like you know, it's like, you know, towards the end of like you know my high school, I I was like barely passing my classes, I was barely you know like even going into class, I was just completely committed to just like you know just having fun, honestly, and and yeah, I mean it, it just dawned on me that it's like wow, like I'm about to graduate, you know, but I but I'm I'm literally not about to graduate too, and. I, I knew somewhere in my life that this, just this whole trajectory of where my life was going was just like completely wrong, you know, and like, and I barely graduated. Like it it was like that, like last, like that 12th hour, that 11th hour, right. That it just all sort of like came over me that it's like, okay, like I need to clean up my act. I tend like that last semester, I somehow just like attended every class I needed to attend, you know, I got like straight A's and B's, you know, it was like right around this time too that like my parents actually really like suggested me to like try just chanting a little bit you know because they they knew i was like stressed out like they they saw me voice my concerns i I literally was not about to graduate and of course they're like they're like they obviously could have been like well like no no crap like of course you know but but they were just so compassionate so willing to help me out you know because like i think something shifted in me that i was actually like seeking help from them like first time in a while you know what i mean and um, but yeah so that that happened and then and after i graduated so i you know i also got into like the state college which fairly easy to get into but but like it was it was one of those moments that i was like okay like i really need to clean up my act going into college because like i want to pursue a career in in arts and entertainment you know the most weirdest thing was that you know throughout all this you know just like like this like my acting out you know I was still part of like the high school show choir like with sophomore junior and senior year so I think that's telling if some some sort that's like somewhere in me that I that was something I really was passionate about and really wanted to pursue seriously because you know everything else was just not even paid attention to
0: yeah uh, yeah 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 That that's interesting and it, it sets up kind of what I what I wanted to talk about but just just one small follow-up so it sounds like like this trajectory that you described so like your parents practiced and it almost sounds like you learned a lot about buddhist philosophy just through their behavior as parents which is really cool like just to think about you know i haven't i haven't thought about that like even if you weren't chanting all that time there's like some part of you was learning about buddhism based on how they handled things exactly Exactly. um super interesting but around the end of high school you said so when they were like why don't you try chanting even a little bit did you try at that time or was it like yeah, in college yeah. that you it
1: was like yeah it was like that last semester of high school that I actually started trying like maybe it was like just chanting' me holding to kill like for like five ten minutes I it was very nominal amount to like how I try to do things now but yeah yeah but but I gave it a shot though because I was like I, you know I was I was, pinned against the wall right so yeah
0: yeah did you like do you I don't know if you remember back then but like did did you feel different or was there like anything you noticed once you did try honestly
1: I I do kind of remember like like an external kind of like all right like universe got me okay <laughs> so, <laughs> so we go we good you know kind of kind of but so, so I think something did kind of click and shift you know that I was like it was this moment of like, ah, oh, like everything's chaos. Everything's done for it. And then being like, all right, like we're good, you know, let's go. So I think mm. there was definitely something to it. Yeah. At that time, like, even though like I feel just like mentally, I just was not very aware because like how out of it I was <laughs> somewhere deep in my life and recognized it, though, which is incredible, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's
0: also something to that feeling of like even... I'm just thinking, you know, for people who are new, whether you're like a teenager who's just like kind of a little bit all over the place or, Mm -hmm. you know, at whatever age you start, even before you understand how Buddhism works, like the mere fact that you have something you can do that can make you feel like, okay, Things are going to be OK because I i am chanting, you know, like mm. what in your the way you described it is, oh, the universe got me, which we know that it's not an external deity or anything that got yeah. you. But like and it's your own ability that you're activating. But right, but, I right. you know, there's like peace that comes from just being able to do something besides like think and talk, mm. like right, if you know what right. I mean. So 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 let's move to to this entertainment dream piece, because I know that that's kind of the topic that I wanted to unpack with you Today. And I know that you've used your Buddhist practice to sort of like navigate your career in the entertainment industry, which now is flourishing. But where did the interest come from? Like, what, where, where did the dream come from? What was the dream?
1: You know, honestly, I guess my earliest like memories of like actually wanting to do something like that were like, honestly, I would like to see these covers of like Vogue or like. Like L, and there's just these beautiful models and fun, and I'm just like, wow! Like <laughs> I actually kind of want to be like that, you know? <laughs> it wasn't even like GQ. Honestly, that was like, all oh, these men are so handsome. Now, you know, it's like I, I appreciate it all, you know, and I, I I do probably probably now aspire more for the GQ side, <laughs> but like, but seeing you know these these women and just their beautiful faces, like just on these covers, I was just like, wow! Like I want to be able to do that, you know? But that that must have been that's like feels like a memory of a memory. Like maybe I was like. Five or six, you know, when when I started really feeling like, you know, this kind of way. And then my mother actually, you know, put me into like learning violin took gave me singing lessons as well. Or like, you know, it was like, I think in the car ride, you know, because we're a family of seven, which is kind of atypical for a Japanese family. Like my dad would blast... (laughs) Le miserables, by le mis <laughs> le miserables. I, don't know, I can't even say it right, but but it was just the greatest thing because we would sing through the entire like two acts, <laughs> start to finish, oh no like every single word, heart like word by word, every by song. Heart. Yeah, almost. I think like every song. There were some songs that I'm like, ah, I don't care for this one, so we skip it. You know, <laughs> but that, that was like all throughout, like you know, like Iowa like being there for like 10 years into new mexico you know yeah but but then it was like i think my sophomore year or excuse me towards the end of my freshman year you know like when you you know are like finally like dating and like trying to you know find romance and you're like you know teenage years like the a lot of girls actually were like hey like actually like you have a great voice and like we see you like dancing at you know, at these oh, what is it? Like the winter ball or prom? You know, and it's just like it's like you got moves too. So why don't you try like show choir? But you got to join choir too, you know. And I was like, sure, why not? It's like it's there's a lot of cute girls there. <laughs> but then it transitioned into something that I was like, wow, okay, like there's I, I feel like I have ability in this, you know, and I, I it's something I'm very passionate about, you know. when I am able to sing, and I am able to act, and and yeah. So I think that was like the real like drop in the bucket of me, like doing something really concrete with it. But so then this, so after like going back to like, you know, after I graduated high school, I went to the university of New Mexico for not even a semester. I, I literally dropped out within a few weeks because immediately going into it, like I could see all these like bad habits. I was trying to drop honestly, like, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I remember just, you know, I, so excuse me, going into that summer, you know, my parents really like encouraged me to try chanting to like turn a new leaf. They're like, you know, you really graduated finally. Like, or like, you know, you, you graduated like barely, but we're so proud of you. So, you know, this this is a new start for you and we're here to support you all the way. You know, I like can university. I'm like really like thrusted into like fraternity <laughs> and like I'm somehow partying already like every single night and I'm like already like barely like, s- like, Keeping up with my classes. And I'm just like, I'm like, wait, like, this isn't right. So I like spoke to my parents, like, you know, really had a hard, hard conversation. I'm like, you know, listen, like, I think I need like a year off to just like kind of like detox from all this because all my friends, anyone I run into just seems like, you know, it, it's just like, it's just like this like lesser self or lesser version mm-hmm. of me. And then I think mm-hmm. this was like an aha moment for my parents, but my mom, you know, being so sincere and such a, strong, you know, chanter. She was like, all right, like so, but here's the deal. If you're gonna drop out, you know, for this first year, you know, take a gap year, then you should chant with me every day. And I was like, let's do it, <laughs> honestly. So basically she she asked me to chant every single day, you know, with her, no matter what. And I totally agreed to it. But this was the most amazing thing was that, you know, I mean, I'd gone into college with like a major in like vocal performance or something and a minor in like piano, guitar. So, you know, I was I was chanting that it's like, I want to create a path in this field, you know, but I just had no idea how. I, I had this idea that I needed to not be in New Mexico anymore and I needed to move to like a major city. But yeah, so as I was chanting with my mom every day, I think it was maybe like... You know, and there's a lot of like self-reflective moments in that year. You know, I think it was great because I I finally was able to like really sever like some like, you know, just like connections that you know that I just it kept running into if I was ever on campus, like I run this person, and somehow I couldn't refuse to like hang out with them, and then before I know it, like it's the night and I'm at this party. You know what I mean? And then what really was amazing was that I had this crazy, crazy um opportunity actually, like. You know, so right before I was like deciding to enroll into school again, fresh slate, being like, okay, like i have seen some of these people for a while. They're like not even my friends anymore. I just feel like I can actually like seriously pursue this. And the plan was to like maybe go to college for like a year or two, get good grades, and then transfer elsewhere to like another like art school, you know. But I had this really amazing opportunity from this. So this woman called me up don't of nowhere to our home phone when, you know, people still had home phones back then. Like, this is still 2012. She calls me out of the blue and she's like, hey, like, is this, you know, Masa? And I was like, hey, yeah, this is him, you know? And she's like, hey, like, I have this opportunity for you to, to audition to be a stand-in for this new blockbuster movie that's going to be filming for like three, four months and you, you'd be working full-time, you know? And she was like, you know, but you should come in for the audition because we need someone that's like a tall, you know, Asian you know, person, Asian actor. And I was like, wow, like, what? <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> this is like one of those like, yeah, like moments that I'm like, this, this can't be real. But then, you know, doing more research, I was like, oh, like actually, like, so I've done like bits of background work in there over the summer because I thought, you know, I was interested in it. But this woman remembered me, which was amazing. So, you know, she immediately gave me a call, you know, wow. and um, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I go in for the audition. It, it was for um, Maze Runner 2, um, <sighs> Scorch Trials, yeah. And there's this guy, Kihong Hong Lee, who is a terrific actor. And I was supposed to be his, like, body double or, like, his stand-in. And But basically, the role entails is that, you know, it's, like, while they're setting up, like, the camera shots for all these different scenes, you just want to stay in their place of where they would be, you know, um, be taking the shot. That way, you know, they have lights right angles right and like you get a chance you know as a stand-in to learn what the actor is doing so that you can execute too like you know a lot of pressure honestly being like going from like never doing something like this to being like <laughs> thrusted into like Hollywood production be like all right like do exactly that you know you're like oh my god but but that yeah, really wow. had me you know chanting every day before going into work making sure that I don't you know like piss anyone off because it's very stressful in those sorts of environments. It's like you know, millions and millions of dollar you know budget, and people are getting fired left and right sometimes when you know when you know things hit the fan. And and uh, yeah, like yeah, honestly though, like I I successfully you know worked on it from start to finish, you know, and it just really opened up opportunities to work more in blockbuster films in that role, but that really opened my eyes honestly to like the power of like this practice that it aligns your life with your just pure desire to really like better yourself or to really strive for your dreams right yeah
0: oh my gosh what a wild first experience but
1: it almost like it almost makes sense in a way that it was like from all the suffering that come before that you know i remember like you know being there and just like thinking i'm like Gosh, like I, I don't think I remember the last time I like felt this happy, you know, being a part of something or anything really, you know. Totally. When you're like working with these like stars and directors, you know, really just incredible people, honestly. It just opens your eyes to the possibilities, right? Yeah,
0: yeah completely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's so interesting just hearing this so far because I, the theme that I kind of wanted to unpack today was really about like like how Buddhism can help us strive for our dreams and mm-hmm. especially for people who are pursuing a career in the arts or mm-hmm. in some ways, even entrepreneurs, like any anywhere where you're sort of have to hustle and grow up in the dark mm-hmm. until you find your way, <laughs> it can be really, really hard. And it sounds like you had this sort of seed of this dream when you were young. And then mm. even without being that intentional about your chanting that year that you took off, like in spite of yourself, these, this like, these habits that you were trying to break just ended up opening up this crazy opportunity where you then end up on the path toward what you actually wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Without having to think too much about it, which is wild. Yeah. yeah um, right, right. It's like something in your life gets activated naturally. Yeah. So so if we can kind of dig into that a little bit, it sounds like, you know, the seed starts to be nurtured, but you're still living, you know, more of this kind of smaller town life and you had wanted to go to potentially LA and you did end up moving to New York. So like One, did you continue chanting and did you like directly chant about this? And two, how did you end up coming to New York?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my parents actually, so my dad had a really great like work benefit where he was going to be working at the University of Pittsburgh. But that was when I was posed with this question by my parents like, hey, like come to Pittsburgh with us, you know, and and, again, we really researched about like all the different like film stuff that was going on there you know, really booming and still booming, you know. But yeah, so we decided to move together in 2016. And I took a trip out of New York and I just knew immediately I needed to live here. <laughs> so, you know, I decided to move to New York like literally like within a matter of weeks. I I think I got out there in July and I I was crashing on like multiple friends' couches, you know, bless their hearts. <laughs> You know, New York, and we all know the apartments are small, we're all fighting, you know, for our dreams. So I, I really need to figure out, how I can get a place, you know, get some jobs. And at the same time too, I was like, trying to apply to all these different like modeling agencies and talent agencies to see who would like be interested in picking me up. Mm. And it was so funny because I, I went to like 10, I like Google 10 of the best modeling agencies in New York. And you know, at that time, I, of course I've already had some headshots model shots and I didn't hear back from any of them, you know, (laughs) except for one. But then even after like a callback interview, they turned me down, you know, and I was pretty bummed about that. But like still I was like, you know what, but I'm still gonna move out here. Like I'm just gonna figure it out. And then I you know, because I had to make money, I I, like picked up like two part-time jobs. Like I was working at like H&M, like one of my first jobs, you know, and also working as a host at a restaurant. I was hustling like crazy, honestly. But like, like it it made me realize like pretty quickly, like this is not what I moved here for. <laughs> like I'm just working these like odd jobs that have no direction or that feel like they have no purpose. But what's beautiful is that, you know, at both those jobs, I was able to share about this practice with so many people, you know, because I just knew that sharing this practice, sharing this philosophy, it, it lightens people's hearts. It's like, and I think especially in New York, noticing coming in, as an outsider that people can be very like closed off or very like guarded, right? In terms mm-hmm. of, you know, how they open themselves and and me coming in as an outsider, like immediately talking about Buddhism, I think that that piques people's interest, you know, that's like, huh, like this guy's just kind of <laughs> weird, but interesting though, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, and then, um, you know, and of course, like I was, was chanting a lot too, like to be like, yo, like I still need to find a modeling agency. I still need to find a talent agency. And, you know, I was, I was uh, like, I was volunteering a lot, you know, at the Buddhist Community Center. I was, you know, going to these like chanting sessions with different, you know, members and just doing a lot as much as I could in my like free time to make these like Buddhist causes, you know, because I knew that would be the way that I could break through in this like, you know, predicament. The most amazing thing was that like, you know, just like... I think I was like on really like on the fence of being like you know what like if something doesn't happen within like the next few months because my lease was about to end for that first spot I was like I I think I might just have to move back to Pittsburgh because like this this just isn't happening you know and like you know the spot I was living on was so small like it was literally closet space for like twelve hundred dollars but a woman who also was like a Men's like model agent just stopped me in front of like the Buddhist center in the New York you know Buddhist Culture Center and was just like hey like do you like are you a model or like do you have a modeling agency and that was like one of those moments of like oh like this might be it actually or you know like I talked for a little bit more thoroughly but like she just seemed so like just legit just such like a like a fresh breeze you know of like oh wow like you know this this might be the answer, like, and, and honestly, like, and then just like that, you know, she, she thrusted me into like, you know, getting me work as a model. But from there, I, you know, was really able to have like, you know, like a career breakthrough, honestly, because like getting signed with this other agency, which is New York Models is like one top agencies in New York. And it, it was just like a dream that like, was actually finally happening right and mm-hmm. yeah and um, you know it was immediately like as soon as i signed with them you know I was, I was able to like work with like you know like alexander wang and polo and like all these top brands that you know was just just a dream at, at one point and now it was just like really all manifesting And but yeah and this was like i think like 2017 18 yeah two, end of 2017 yeah uh
0: Wild, yeah, it sounds like you know, from like what you're describing, it sounds like the you know there's like one aspect that's just like you you can't give up like when you yeah meet somewhere yeah. And you're really trying to make it, you know, but at the same time, it's like and, and chanting can often help us not give up, essentially like mm. it sounds like you're you chanting every day and doing Buddhist activities and like sharing Buddhism with people at your job. all of that are what we call causes in Buddhism, so like you make causes like in your life towards your goal, but you also make causes Mm -hmm. in your Buddhist practice to like Mm -hmm. develop your own life condition and your own character and have the energy to not stop, right? Uh But then like along the way, and I know we talked a little bit about this on the phone, like everyone has to undergo what we call human revolution where you like start to realize like okay i need to go deeper or i I need Mm, to transform this life tendency or i need to whatever and i understand that like more recently you experienced a big turning point in your buddhist practice Mm. digging into study among other things so i'm curious yeah like to to get to where you are now in your career which i'd also love to hear like what it is that you've recently been working on what like how did you kind of use your Buddhist practice to, to get to that deeper level. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, so after, you know, getting signed with the agency, things were great, you know, and then COVID happened, right? And COVID was just such a hit for, I think, all, you know, workers in, in entertainment, arts, you know. But I, I have really had the opportunity, though, to, like, just really self-reflect and chant a lot and study, actually. Like, and I think that was the thing, you know, that, i was sort of lacking in in those early years of being in new york that like you know mm-hmm. there's so much hustle and bustle like you almost don't have the time to just like sit down i mean um, if unless you have like good lifestyle that but like it, at that time i just i just couldn't even sit down for like like more than 30 minutes, I think, to just like read a book, you know, but then, you know, you start to get smart about it. And you're like, all right, like I can read it on the subway, you know, like let's just open up iBooks. Right. But, but yeah. So like, you know, we in the Buddhist community, we really uh, like encouraged to like reach out to people, you know, make sure everyone's okay, you know, and to like really just like study as much as you can, because like, we're all like, you know, like trapped in our own homes. Like So, so I finally had the chance to like read some of like Daisaku Ikeda's books, you know, also the writings of Nichiren Daishonin, who is like, you know, the founder of of this practice. And it just, I think it really helped me understand just like the, the depth and just, yeah, just like the, gosh, like the the magnitude of like just amazingness. (laughs) I don't know, like Mm -hmm. just like how incredibly like connected we are and, And yet like having our own unique lives and missions to like fulfill this like same purpose of like, of of fighting for, for a better world, for a more peaceful world, for the happiness of all humanity, you know? And I think, you know, when I was first in New York, like I, I didn't really have that ingrained in me. Like it was just, I think it was all just me, me, me. And it was like I was really driven by my ego, honestly. But and I think that's why I like end up like you know betraying like the first initial agent that like really was trying to help me out, right? But then, but having all this time to like really self reflect and even like some of the like the crappy things that I have been doing like in New York, I'm like, okay, like wow, like I still have a lot of changing to do, you know? <laughs> but but. know the most beautiful thing was that you know we we you know some of the young men we decided like hey like let's just some of these people we haven't spoken to in a while make sure they're doing okay and gosh makes you realize too like some people are really really struggling like some people like got covid were like bedridden so like you know luckily like you know having some money saved up i'd like sent you know like food supplies to some of these people and then eventually, when you know savings ran dry like amazingly like unemployment kicked in right but but yeah but like it was just like such a i think like a reflective moment to like really just like act outwardly you know this practice is about practice for self and others and this was like a real moment of like practice for others that i i just felt like i never felt before you know to be able to like just like Just call up all these people and just be like, "Hey, like, how are you?" Because you know, like, this practice is. It also says, like, you know, the voice does the Buddha's work, right? So that just helped me understand, like, ah, yeah, like, there's, there's just so much imbued in your voice. Just that Mm. cannot be ever conveyed just over like digital font. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: it is. It is. It is just to 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 respond to what you're saying it it's it's actually really encouraging because it's like it you're right right like so practice for others is a huge part of buddhism it's why we have a community in the first place and that looks like basic like almost like what your mom did for you like hey you're going through this period so like chant with me and that's Mm -hmm. how your life is going to change but we do that for each other in the community Mm -hmm. and i agree like during covid just like like reaching out to people that you haven't just like make sure they're okay or finding ways to encourage each other to keep chanting Mm, in lockdown like all of that was so helpful and it's funny because also like the habits that you were describing earlier when you were a teenager and like starting college it's like they didn't magically disappear necessarily right like those Mm -hmm. parts of our lives whatever they look like for whoever they don't just like magically disappear when you start chanting right like because you can spend your time doing something else you like Mm -hmm. reflect on them and and change them more quickly Mm -hmm. or like you could do something about it you know (laughs) right right (laughs) which is really cool to hear i i am curious so it sounds like you're on this path of your own buddhist practice deepening Mm -hmm. and like this mm-hmm. this piece of your practice kind of being unlocked. How did you see that translate to your career? Like, did did anything right. shift in terms of work as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I had some friends that were really really struggling. Like, they they couldn't get unemployment. They couldn't find any jobs. You know, because no one was really hiring, and they just there was really like it was just like a dead end. You know, and I I just really reached out to those guys and be like you know what like I'm here for you. I will chant with you, you know? And like, honestly, like having that time to like really do that, when you give that kind of care and just like, just love to, you know, another human being like that, that like, that connection just, I mean, you know, it just, it just doesn't fade, right? And I, I think, especially for the sake of Buddhism, you know, it's like, you know, you share this philosophy that's like, you know, we're, we're meeting to like, really like help change society, you know, completely changed the course of society, honestly. And, Mm. you know, it really, it it, and uh, it might seem like what we're doing is so small, but like, but the ripple effect is very real though. You know, that even though if it's just the two of us, we have a network of all these other people that we know that we can naturally just like be who we are as, uh, but in a, enlightened condition hopefully that you know we we chant in the morning and then study a little we're in good spirits and we run into other people that aren't good spirits and from there it's like that's where we do the Buddha's work right that we try and help encourage those that we, we clearly say like all right like you could look like you look like you're someone to talk to you know and now it's like i i think you do that enough and you realize it's like it's It's so enjoyable, you know, it's just like so uplifting. It's just like so just like necessary for me, at least, you know, that I'm like, I I just want to, you know, keep this up now for the rest of my life and just to see where it takes me. But then it translates, you know, to like your work that it's like, you know, 2020 and 2021 were not good years for modeling, but most incredible thing, I had some of like my biggest like campaigns those years, like I did this shoot for like Amazon Music, which was like you know, worldwide, and then 2021 as well, I shot for like Google Pixel, which also ended up worldwide, which is crazy. And then, and then this year too, at first it was very explosive and then I had a little slow slump, but then that's what really like persevered even harder and like my Buddhist practice to be like, all right, like I have to, you know, just like keep my head up. Cause I was also like trying to find other odd jobs or whatever I could get my hands on, but it was just so hard to find anything. And then that, like you know that was just like a, a moment for me to be like all right like this buckle down even harder and just like just, uh, just do what you can for the sake of others right um mm-hmm. and incredibly enough you know like i i did like one of i think one of my biggest jobs ever like working with polo and then like after i did that job you know they've they've been calling me back since you know, to do other shoots which has been so great you know but, but i see just like the direct translation of just like you know like you support others; you just your life just gets supported right back, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it's yeah, I, and there's also like nothing more rewarding than like like seeing other people's success and breakthrough alongside yours instead of right, like right. one or exactly. the other. So, exactly. yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I will move to my closing questions because you did mention study and like this kind of period of time we're digging into Buddhist study felt so instrumental in deepening your own practice. Is there like a favorite quote that you have or like a favorite concept that emerged?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, I do. There's this little like small essay that Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter wrote, which is really, really incredible because it's this essay to, it's titled to the next generation of artists. And it is so well-written. It was actually written almost like, I think over like 10 years ago, but it was just, it's so, so in tune and still prevalent to what we're dealing with today. Oh, yes. So, it says, First, awaken to your humanity. We are not alone. We do not exist alone and we cannot create alone. What this world needs is a humanistic awakening to the desire to raise one's life condition to a place where Our actions are rooted in altruism and compassion. You cannot hide behind a profession or an instrument. You have to be human. Focus your energy on becoming the best human you can be. Focus on developing empathy and compassion. Through the process, you'll tap into the wealth of inspiration rooted in the complexity and curiosity of what it means to simply exist to this planet. Music is but a drop in the ocean of life or art, you know. And then there's another part to this, and then understand the true nature of obstacles. We have this idea of failure, but it's not real. It's an illusion. There's no such thing as failure. What you perceive as failure is really a new opportunity, a new hand of cards, or a new canvas to create upon. In life, there are unlimited opportunities. The words success and failure themselves are nothing more than labels. Every moment is an opportunity. You, as a human being, have no limits. Therefore, infinite possibilities exist in any circumstance.
0: Wow. Uh, oh my gosh. Those are both incredible.
1: Right, right. I have it laminated somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's just so amazing. Like when you find a Buddhist like idea or concept or quote that you can actually apply to your daily life and then see results from it, which is Mm -hmm. what I feel like exactly Mm -hmm. what you described happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so we'll, let's do our, our final question. So I I appreciate everything that you shared so far. And if for anyone who's listening, who's kind of new to Buddhism, if you could give them one piece of advice, you know, about like, what about striving to pursue a big dream, whether it's in the entertainment industry or otherwise, like just for anyone who's n- new to Buddhism, basically, what one piece of advice would you give them?
1: Mm, right. You know, everyone has an enlightened nature. And everyone also is struggling, right? And we're all fighting for our lives and I think knowing that, you know, you can have a little more compassion and empathy, empathy to the fact that, you know, we're all just really, you know, just searching, right, for for our destiny. And, and you can only find that destiny even more quickly, just helping others find their path and destiny as well, you know, because it's, it's, it's karmic, right? And I think that's, one of the biggest points about buddhism that's like you know if you light the lantern for others it lights up your own path right and yeah it's it's just so true it's so key and i think for for artists you know because it's a world filled of ego clash you know like it's it's nothing but clashes of people's egos but you have to do your best to be that light that's like unifying everyone despite the you know the headbutting and and arguing that it's like you know you can really find that invisible thread right that connects us all and that's what buddhism teaches right that it's like you know we're all you know with, from the concept of dependent origination right but i think a better way to put it is that it's like you know that we all have an enlightened nature that's what really connects us all so easily so you know mystically right so I think we just got to do our best, you know, whenever, you know, we see that person that's like, that's just, you know, not in a good headspace to just like be, be the year, be be that person that will listen to their problems and just like take a moment, you know, because most likely there's probably like a thousand other people that probably walked by and be like, yeah, yeah, this, he's in, he's in a vicious cycle. Nothing, he, nothing we can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think but that's that's where we come in as Buddhists. That's like with this, this is how we really change the the trajectory trajectory and karma of humanity is 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 taking that action that's less taken, you know. Doing that thing that might actually make you look weird, but but ultimately, just go for it, you know.
0: I want to leave you today with the following words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda about true success in life, which I feel encapsulates Masa's story about finding true happiness through actions for others from the heart, rather than from external success, and how doing so enriches that success when it comes. He writes, Many automatically think that one who boasts of high status in society is fortunate, that one who enjoys fame is admirable, and that one who has a great deal of money and property is respectable. These perceptions are misguided illusions. Who then is fortunate? Who is respectable? Who is genuinely a person of truth and integrity? Granted, these are difficult questions, but be assured that the answers have nothing to do with outward appearances. I have met hundreds of world leaders many of whom are truly excellent and very capable people. Those who stand out in my mind are leaders not driven by ego, but those whose lives shine with an invincible spirit to devote themselves to humanity. On that note, if you're new to chanting, we have plenty of resources at Buddhability.org. And, as always, if you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.